Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. Uh, we are brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find it at authormagazine.org. And we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They've been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can learn more about the PNWA and their fabulous yearly writers conference coming up in September. I'll be teaching there. Lots of great people are going to be teaching there. Hope to see you there. It's going to be live and in person. And you can find out about it at pnwa.org. So I had an interesting conversation with a first-time memoirist, but a man who as a film producer, screenwriter, very much involved in the Hollywood lifetime lifestyle, but uh, wrote a, really a challenging memoir about his uh, experiences as a sugar daddy, and uh, that kind of went sideways on him. And it was just, he was a very honest guy, uh, was really, uh, I thought, honest about his conversation about writing a memoir for the first time, particularly on this kind of subject, something I know a lot of memoirs struggle with. How do you deal with people's impressions of the things you're writing about? Anyway... Really bright guy, interesting, uh, has an interesting life, and we talked about it all. Uh, he is David Adam Winkler, and he comes from Hollywood royalty. Yeah, a successful film producer of such titles as Creed, Rocky Balboa, The Mechanic, and The Gambler, and the son of renowned producer Erlen Irwin Winkler, who produced They Shoot Horses, Don't They, Rocky, Goodfellas, and more. Uh, the Arrangement, A Love Story, is his first book, and... Uh, Anyway, here's our conversation. I'm so glad I got to share it with you. Enjoy. David. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. Hey, so uh, even though this is going, this will drop a week from now, but today, the day I'm recording this, this is your pub date. The day your first book ever, ever that you, well, actually, I don't know. Is this the first book you've written or just the first book you've published? Both. All right. This is it. So how are you feeling? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm really, you know, um, you know, four years ago I started, you know, and, you know, envisioned um, something and uh, it's actually here. (laughs) It's pretty, well, you are no stranger to, envisioning things and having them uh, arrive in form. You hail from a pretty unusual family uh, Uh, in certain ways, in certain ways. In certain ways, they're like a lot of families with their troubles and their quirks. Unusual in every way. They're unusual because of some quote unquote Hollywood royalty, but they're also unusual because they're, they're really, really uh, happy together you know, supportive. My parents have been married for 63 years, I think. Yeah. Happily too. And, you know, in to have that happen in Hollywood is pretty phenomenal. Pretty unusual. And you're, but, but you grew up in a, an environment that probably a lot of just not that many people, not just your family, but just then their circle of the life that they grew up in. Um, Actually, you know, it was interesting as I read the book, it reminded me a little bit of, and you can talk about this if you want, but I, I worked in restaurants for year and years and everybody's been to a restaurant. Not many people know what it actually is to 
goes on to put a, a, a night's dinner forward. So I would talk about it. And it was sort of interesting for the people because they had been on the other side of it. You grew up in the world of Hollywood. You grew up in Hollywood. And so you knew it from both sides. Everybody's gone to the movies, but you know it from both sides. So was that experience, could that register on you that you had both views of that thing that most people do not from early, early on? Um, I knew growing up that I grew up in a, uh, an exceptionally, um, uh, lucky way. Like I used to, I, I say in the beginning of the book that, you know, I knew I was, I, I knew I was born lucky. Like I knew you really believed. I mean, did you, I mean, it sounds good politically correctly, but did you actually think that when you no, were a kid? I mean, I, you know, I, I, I knew that I had been born. I knew that I had been like a cat, a cow in India in my last life. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> because I was I was appreciative because you know you know I looked around and I'm like you know you grew up I grew up in Southern California and in Hollywood and surrounded by really interesting people um, you know and, and not just that I was born into money because my parents were not that uh, were not wealthy when I when when I was born hmm. they didn't become wealthy until Rocky hit when I was like 13 right. But they were always successful. And, you know, uh, I, 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 I once directed a television pilot called The Picture um, that uh, that um, that was about 1968 Hollywood. And it was based on just growing up around, you know, having having amazing directors and writers and producers coming in to dinner parties. And me and my brothers would just sit on the stairs listening. <laughs> you know, like I knew I was in, in the world and, and my dad you know, had the most fascinating friends in the world. I, I knew that you, you were I, clear on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't want to be in that world. Like I wanted to be my own person. So when I was 24, I went off and opened a surf shop and tried, tried doing retail, but you know, it kept pulling me back and calling to me. And then when I was 30, decided I wanted to be creative um, and start writing. Um, but the irony is, and this is a great segue in the book, is that I wanted to write, but I didn't know what, but I never felt like I had anything special to write about. Like I, I had been born so fortunate and everybody in my family is healthy. I'd never broken a bone in my body. Like my parents are happy and healthy. My dad's 92 and still going strong. Like, you know, like, but there's this thing of like the danger of comfort where I was, there was no tragedy and no drama around my life. Yeah. And I never felt like I was like learning what other people were learning. That's so like, interesting. I mean, like you don't learn from any, you learn from difficulty. That usually is how it happens. I mean, think about you, you, so you're a storyteller, you grew up in storytelling. You can't have a movie about a person who gets up has a nice day, <laughs> goes like, to work, life. kisses his wife. Good night. <laughs> And, and even though I became a writer at 30 and then a director, like all my writing was formulaic or thrillers or right. comedies, right. there was never a real personal, you know, emotional aspect to it. And then, of course, cut to I'm 50 years old and I'm in a relationship, you know, that's very unique, uh, you know, for people who don't know what the book is we about. We'll talk about that. Yeah. yeah. I'm a sugar daddy and I'm in this sugar daddy relationship with this younger woman. And it's starting to go awry. And I realized, my God, 
this is my story that I'm going to have to tell. Even, even before the relationship was halfway over, I'm like, when, whether I spend the rest of my life, with this woman or not, this is going to be my story. Ah, you see a true storyteller's instinct, David, I, because I write personal essay and I write fiction, but personal essay is really my thing. And I'll be in the middle of some crappy experience. I'm lost. I'm frustrated. Smack in the middle of the whole thing. Ooh, but this book. is a good story. I got <laughs> material. I got material. Uh, actually, Nora Ephron said when I interviewed her, she said her mother wouldn't want to hear a complaint. She said, it's all material because her mom was a screenwriter. It's all material. Well, okay. For instance, by the way, by the way, you should know, like I grew up with Nora Ephron, you know, <laughs> coming to coming to my family she was married to Leggy, right and they would come to you know to my family's house every weekend for for dinner or to or lox bagels cream cheese and you know so like this is the world i grew up in and so, i'm about to make another movie with nick Leggy. like so like you wonder what my life was like like it's you know sitting there listening nor f efron kvetch about things well it's so strange because celebrity I don't want to go on about it, but it can't have the same. Maybe it means the same thing to you. It does to the, a lot of the world who are always on the outside looking in for the 98 percent of it. You were just on the inside kind of looking out, even though you yourself were not a celebrity. You were just surrounded by these people and seeing them sort of warts and all, I assume. A lot of warts. And, you know, the thing about it is there's there's celebrities and then there's artists. Then right. they're not necessarily always the same. No. And. I was lucky in that my my parents didn't court celebrity. Mm. They court artists and, and successful people. So the people who are around, you know, yeah, Sylvester Stallone's around because we made Rocky, but it was more because we made a movie with him that was, yeah. you know, a best picture. I mean, like it was, you know, they were never celebrity, you know, they didn't cultivate celebrities. So it was more of just being around all these amazing people. And I wasn't one of them. I wanted to be one of them. I was right. not a person in any shape or the form, shape or form. And um, and then when this 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 story happened, I just knew this was my opportunity to to do something that was different and dangerous and provocative and 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 scary. Yes. I, I want to talk about that, but I want to go back to one moment you mentioned rather blithely, but I think it's an important moment for all hu human beings, which is you're 30 years old. And you said, rather matter of factly, I knew I wanted to do something creative. So I wanted to be creative. I would say you're always creative. We're all creative, but you wanted to like express it. Talk to me about that moment, because there's plenty of people who would say business is creative. Uh, you know, every, any, it's creative yeah. making a surf shop, but you meant something different. So talk to me about how you knew that. And what that was like? I mean, I um, I didn't know. I, I wanted to be more creative, I should say. Yes, I had a stop, and it was designed creatively, and right. and, and it was it was, uh, you know, yeah, it was creative in some degree. But I knew I wanted to be more creative, and I and I didn't want to go in and become a producer. You know, I felt like I wanted my dad was had that market captured and I wanted to, you know, prove myself as a man on my own. Right. So I writing screenplays and I got lucky. The first thing I sold wrote sold. Wow. You know, a formulaic comedy. And um, 
but you know, and then I did that for a couple of years and then I started directing, but it was always trying to do my own thing. So it was just always trying to up creativity and, and, sure. and, um, you know, you know, it was a challenge for me. You'd think that because I was born into this world, it wouldn't be, but it was a challenge for me. And it was a challenge, I think, for my father, who was producer for many years and then, you know, started directing and writing himself mid-career. So, I mean, I didn't even know that. Wow. Okay. Look at his career. You know, he produced some of the most amazing movies, but he didn't direct until he was, you know, probably 50 or something. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I would think, I just don't know how you avoid the psychology of going into a business that your father is a pretty well known for and not, and knowing that any success you had was yours, like really being clear on that. I, I would, it would be so easy psychologically to take that from yourself because your parents are who they are. Well, no, I mean, you're right. They're, 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 obviously, you benefit from nepotism. There's no question about it. My name brings certain value, but, but there the was- The audience all... doesn't care. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, but, you know, but there was, there's, and, and then, you know, I wrote and I directed, but I was like directing Lifetime movies. I did a small movie with Harvey. Come on. Come on. <laughs> but I got it. I, I proved to myself that I could do it without my dad giving me money, without my dad doing this. But and then I started producing with my dad because I had kids and I wanted more stability and I really enjoyed it. But, yeah, there was always this question of, of you know, yeah, who, who am I that's different? What am I bringing to the world that is unique? And the book, I think it's safe to say, you know, when people read it and, and see how not only provocative it is, but how personal it is. Oh, yes. I think I think that I have I have, you know, I say in the end of the book that that, that I could die tomorrow, creatively speaking, because I know I've done the thing that I always wondered, would I be able to do? Well, OK, so the book, the book is the arrangement. It's a love story. And as you as you said, it, it's, you know, I, I teach memoir. I have a lot of clients who are memoirists. I read it yeah. myself. This is my, this is the world I travel in. Uh-huh. And I've talked to a lot of people who have dealt with like intense sexual abuse, poverty, violence, drug addiction. But in some ways, in some ways, I think this is one of the most challenging topics to write about because of the stigma attached to it. Is that fair to say? I yeah. would think- calling sex work and, and, and that's right. Yeah, Yeah, no, it was, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. I mean, I was afraid that people would think of me as some pervert. Um, but I think, I think that what, what has happened is enough people have read the book that word is out that that's not what it's about. Like word is out that this is about a man revealing his failures as a, as a, as a man, you know, not ethically, you know, I was always, I was always, you know, I, ne- I never got caught up in the me too stuff, but right. you know, just emotionally I was a failure and um, you know, I think people, people, you know, go in wondering is what's the book about, but within 10 pages, they're like, Oh my God, this is a real, this is a real, this is a very personal story that he's, is. I'm admitting my failures as much as anything else. Yes. Yes, indeed. And that is the core of all memoir. If you've got it, it's got to be who is all- talking to a memoir. She was like, how am I complicit? That's what the memoir is all about. Exactly. Own complicity. 
and even though I think in, in the end, you know, the mental health challenges that, that Jordan faced were much greater than mine, the book is really about my failures and my successes and my, my challenges and, um, and how I changed. And, um, and uh, you know, I read Mary Carr's, you know, How to Write a Autobiography and, you know, um, I, I went in saying, how am I going to do this? And, and, uh, you know, I even tried to hire a ghostwriter and he would oh, yeah. work. Yeah. No, like yeah. he said, no, you got to do it by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Now you got to do it. It's this kind of book you got to do, you know, ghostwriters can do like celebrities tell my story kind of thing. To me, the difference between an autobiography and a memoir is the autobiography, the read, I read John Cleese's autobiography because I love John Cleese and I wanted to hang around with John. And it was great. It was very entertaining, but it wasn't a memoir in my sense that your book is because I read it the same way I read a novel. I'm not in, you know, I don't know you, you know, obviously, but I want to find out what happens and that's different. So you have a different requirement when you wrote yours. People aren't going to read it because they've seen the movies you produced or that just isn't what's going to draw them it's going to be for the story the same way they would read anybody's book totally different a, challenge a fascinating story yep with enough plot twists that people have actually asked me did all this really happen oh good good and the, yes and more so <laughs> really it was um it was hard to sort of you know structure it in a way so that you know i could say this happened this happened this is what this meant you know that was that was sort of my challenge going from like first draft to second draft was the first draft was just, I spit out everything that happened. And then the second draft was how to write a chapter, how to say this event. uh, I'm telling this event for this reason. And this is how it fits into my arc and how I changed. Um, You know, um, our lives are not structured like books. And that's one of the first lessons you have to learn about the memoir is that, you have to find the art, find the story, because your life yeah. kind of unfolds more messily. You have to, you don't, you can't make stuff up, you know, because right. that doesn't work. But you have to create a work of art out of life, which is too big and messy to be that. So you have to be willing to reduce, reduce, reduce until you have something. Does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I mean, um, you know. I tried to be, I mean, even the, even the dialogue comes from, you know, texts and things we wrote, like I tried as real as possible, but absolutely. I mean, you know, you have, you know, you have five conversations with somebody about something and you have to put it into one in the book. That's right. Yeah. Five of the same. (laughs) So yeah, structuring it was very difficult, but you know, um, if you ever want to, you know, if you're ever giving a class on, on memoir and you want, to talk, you want you want me to come on and talk to people about how I did it? I'd be happy to because I I I learned so much about how to write a memoir. See, and but, I would think that'd be very interesting because you came from a different. I, I've interviewed a lot of people who write write for the screen or the television film, and then have gone to books or memoir, and they're so different in a lot of ways. But I would still think I would still think, even though you said you were writing quote formulaic stuff, you still had to understand story, yeah. beginning, middle, and end. I mean, all that kind of thing, right? And it had to have been at least a little helpful for you. A lot of it. I, you know, when I was, when I was, when I was writing screenplays, I would study Joseph Campbell's power of myth and I understood all the structure and story yeah. art, you yeah. know, that, you know, I knew, I knew when I was in Mexico that I was, you know, in the book that I'm, you know, at that midway point where That's they, right. <laughs> you know, I had the deep, 
you know, look in his the darkest moment of his soul. And that's and right. His, yeah, I mean, I knew structurally I was doing it, and I wanted to write it. The worst thing to me, you know, is boring people, and I wanted to write it. I didn't want it to be a movie, but I wanted it to read like a suspenseful novel. I wanted somebody to pick it up and say, "Boy, this is this is this is an amazing, interesting story." I didn't want to. I wanted to get rid of a lot of the memoir tropes, like starting with fifty pages of my childhood. <laughs> really, you, know? you didn't want to do that. <laughs> I, yeah, like I just, I, I just said, I want to start on the first date. Like I plop you in on the first date. Yep. I'm getting for the first date and we're texting and you and there's never like oh you know 30 pages of what it was like to go over hollywood and then i wean that stuff in yeah. as i as i went along so yeah storytelling as as a movie maker taught me how to tell it you know in a in a very economic and 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 suspenseful way i think that's a you know it's funny you're the first memoirist who's used that word suspenseful and i think it's a good word to use it's never associated with memoir but it's worth it because one of the challenge for the memoirist is saying is to say if there's a difference between what's on the page and my life and my job isn't to share my life with everybody as much as you know that's for your spouse or your good friends and even then you know, you give you have to reduce it down to really come in saying i must be on some level entertaining and it's supposed to just confess it even yeah. that you can confess because you were very honest, David. You were a very, very honest man in this book about yeah, things where I was saying the same, man, I don't know if I would do that. Until they don't. read it, they won't understand just how honest. <laughs> you got to read it. He's a very honest man. <laughs> and so you lay it all out, but good for you. That's the way you got to do it. It's the way you got to do it. And yet you obviously you kept it suspenseful. And so I was such, I, I commend you on setting that as your intention from the start, because that is not often the case. For right. the memoirs, they say, I just want you to know about me. Let me just tell you about me. It doesn't work. It doesn't and work. And by the way, also, it comes from the story, you know. I mean, people don't, you know, I don't know if we've talked much about the story, but, you know, I went into this, you know, relationship. I didn't believe monogamy. You know, I was amicably divorced, but I didn't want more kids again. I was somewhat closed off emotionally. I had some sexual issues. And, you know, I wanted to have a casual arrangement with Stroman and, and there's the whole aspect of being a sugar daddy. That's kind of fun to read about. Right. You know, when I, when I fell in love, I fell so hard and then slowly but surely Jordan started to re reveal some, some mental health challenges. Um, and, um, and ultimately like the, the mental health challenges she revealed, you know, like I could tell you one or two, but there's like six of them. Yeah, she and she um, and there was times during the relationship where I actually said, am I going to make out of am I going to make it out of this alive? I mean, yeah. I really, you know, hang on. Yeah. All here. You know, um, I really was. You know, I, I, I'm like it was suspenseful for me at the time. I'm like, you know, there's some crazy shit happening. And, and you know, is this going to be, you know is my sanity going to, going to remain intact through this? Right. Right. So I didn't but, have to a lot of suspense. It just happened. And then it was a question of how do I tell it in a way so that it was. What was the hardest part of it? Like what was the hardest part in the writing of it for you to like, either just in the telling of it or just like figuring out whether structurally or just emotionally doing, what was the hardest part? The hardest part were, were, were was, was, 
may surprise people because they're two folds. Um, the, the first hardest part was saying, do I want to, do I want, you know, am I prepared for what people are going to say when they read it? Right. It's not everybody right. is going to read it and say, wow, you're an honest man. It's an amazing story. There will be people who, who, who don't agree with my lifestyle yes. choices and back yeah. me. Yeah. There'll be women, you know, feminists themselves don't agree about sex work and some think it's incredibly, you know, uh, you know, it's a woman doing what they want with their body. And some women say, no, it's still degrading. Yeah. So, you know, I, I had to ask, do I want to, do I want to open myself up and my family to criticism? I was very worried, you know, how are my kids going to react? How, how are my fa family and friends going to react? So there was that question. Sure. And, and then and I dealt with it by just, you know, communicating really well with my family and all them and letting them read parts and asking for their opinions and bringing them into the process. Um, and then the other part is just the commitment to do it. I mean, to spend, you know, I thought it would take a year and then suddenly it's like four years. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome and, to the book. <laughs> and, and the pandemic helped because I really uh -huh. we were making movies. So I had a year and a half to just do nothing. But right. Right. That really did help me. But I think that's the biggest challenge to any to any writer that they don't. It's that's the dirty secret is the amount of time you have to put in. And, you know, in order to really write anything really well, you, you know, there's just it takes. Yeah. Getting your ass in the chair and it takes the ability to to um, for, for me to turn off the critic for four years. That's right. Just say, just David, just finish it. Yeah. Do not view it. Do <laughs> not think good or bad. Just tell the story. And then there will be a time that you will know you can walk away from it and the other people review it. But for four years it took, you know, like just, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to think about what's good or bad. I had a writing assistant help me, you know, cause I can't spell word damn. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had help. And whenever she would say, you know, are you happy with scene? I'm like, I'm not talking about whether I'm happy or not. It's done. Like, like I just wanted to get it done. And I think so yeah. many people caught up in, in, you know, is this good after a chapter? And then they want to rewrite it. My attitude is like, right at first draft. And then when I was done, I celebrated for like five minutes, had, had a glass of champagne, started the second draft. And then the second draft, I didn't even have the champagne. <laughs> third draft, I didn't even stop. It was like, done sending it starting it again you know like so i think that's the hardest thing that just i don't think people you know it, it's really i'm blessed i came from a fortunate background and i've been successful in my field so i had the time to do all that yeah. but don't. well listen most writers are just do it while they do their day job and they do the thing they're going through but you know your the time you, you it took four years but you have to remember david you didn't write in prose you had to learn how to write a book. Like that is a different way. Yeah. I've written screenplays. I'm not, that's not my profession, but I've done it. I understand it's a different way of thinking. And you had to learn how to think that way. And I, and I remember when I discovered it. I remember when I oh, figured you do. what the thing was. The first draft was just this happened, this happened, this yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. So, and I remembered when I was writing like, this, like halfway through the third draft, like I was writing chapters and I was trying to come up with a name for a chapter. And I'm like, and I realized, oh, for me, if I 
if I if I if I have one line at the end of each chapter that sums up the chapter that I'm going for. I see. <laughs> if I have one line and that and it relates to the title, and my writing partner would be like, my writing assistant would be like, what, what are you talking about? And I'm like, just trust me. We called yeah. it my we called it the, I forget what it was. It was the um, you know, the 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 the, the point of the scene. When I knew right. what I wanted to say in one sentence, yeah. then I structured the entire chapter geared towards that. Um, and that was the moment where I realized, oh, I now know how to, how to write a book, how to come into a chapter, how to get out of a chapter. But it took doing it. But the first chapter, first pass was just spitting it all out. Yeah. You, know, every- you see, you learned a secret which is, it's what I learned about essays, is make it about one thing. Have one destination in mind. It can be, it can be feel bigger than that, but you want a clear landing point. It's right? like a joke. I know your punchline. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly. All right, so if people want to read this, oh, first of all, are you going to be, I can't believe I'm even bothering to ask this question, but I assume you're going to be promoting it in some fashion besides on my podcast? Yeah, you know, I'm doing a lot of podcasts and a lot of interviews. Unfortunately, the days of book tours are dead. Yeah, they, not really. Yeah, they never. They were never that. That you know, from what I understand, you know, publishers hated them anyways. And yeah. then when when yeah. COVID came, they had a great reason to get rid That's of right. them. <laughs> That's right. That's um, right. Um, I am doing a book signing on Thursday um, in Los Angeles at Book Soup, which is oh, nice. like which is the, the bookstore that I grew up going to. So oh, that's nice, been, nice. Yeah. No, I remember when I started, like I manifested, I had this fantasy. I said, that if there's one thing that I would like to do is, is when my book is done, the first thing I want to do is I want to have a book signing at this bookstore. Yeah. This book soup on Hollywood, where I started look, reading books at 13 and going every weekend with my father. Nice. Uh, I, I literally envisioned having a signing there and it's actually happening on that, Thursday. Isn't that great? Don't you love it? Yeah. And then other than that, um, you know, yeah, I have an Instagram, David Adam Winkler, where you can sign on and where you can contact me and ask questions and, and, you know, the books on Amazon. And, and I, I did do a fun, it's not out yet, but I did do an audio version of the book where I actually had some of the people, some, I didn't have Jordan, but I have, have a woman playing Jordan's part. Wow. My friend Megan, come on. I have a couple other people who are in the book. Come on. So in scenes where, you know, there are a lot of dialogue, um, I have somebody reading. So it reads. Oh, it's like, it's like radio theater. It's like, yeah, again, right? you never want to bore people. And I want, I felt like, well, that would be kind of neat if people. That's cool. Reading me reading, you know, whenever there's Jordan and I in a scene and she's talking, I had, you know, somebody read Jordan's part. Hey, you may have accidentally revolutionized the audiobook industry. I wonder if this, because usually it's, I mean, I read my book when I had my last book come out, but right. it was me talking. It's my voice, my word, so fine. But normally it's one person reading everything. Maybe this will be something uh, new. Yeah, I think more and more now people are looking for original ways to do an audiobook. Mm-hmm. And um, and I've, I, I'm a huge fan of audiobooks. Like I just, I just listened to um, Matthew McConaughey's Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, when you read, you'd be like, eh. Right. I get it. He sounds weird. <laughs> Calling it in his own voice, it's fascinating. And then I just read Will Smith's. Oh, uh, interesting timing. Which is really fascinating timing because I literally read it, finished it a week before 
the famous slab. You were I mean, probably I, there, weren't you? Were you there? No, I'm not. I'm an introvert. I don't go to those. Oh, events. you don't? Okay. <laughs> I don't go to parties and stuff like that. So it was, uh, but it was fascinating because he wow. read it himself and he's Will Smith. So, you, you, yeah, right. you know, I think there's some, it, 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 anything you can do to tell the story in an interesting way helps. Eddie Izzard has a great, his memoir and he reads oh. it. Oh, it's hilarious. And he adds stuff because he can't stop himself because he improvises oh, even during. I love that. God, you yeah. see, now that. Check it out. It's good. Um, you know, that's like Russell Brand. It's the same thing. Yeah. Like Russell yeah. Brand, like when you read the book, it, you're like, I, I, I haven't had, I can't drink too much coffee to keep right. up with it. But I bet his, it's the same thing. Like you just, you know, much more interesting. Well, all right. Congratulations. The arrangement, it's out. People, it's there. They'll get it. It's fascinating. Reserve judgment. This is a man's journey. Reserve any judgment you have. It's, it's, yeah, it's, well, I, mean, I think that's 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 the key. Is I ask people, you know, you know, because I don't write from a place of you know in, in the beginning saying, "Please forgive me all the things I'm going to do." I put no. you in. I was in in my mind frame, and you can see that you know I was I was not a perfect man, and hopefully they'll stay long enough to see that I that I changed and grew. Who is? Even I am not a perfect man. Maybe hard for you to believe. <laughs> Even me. All right. Well, listen, I got one more question for you, my yeah. friend. And here's what I want you to do. You've been writing for a long time. I know this is your this is your magnum opus, but you, you've been writing for a good part of your life. And so finish this sentence. If writing, all the writing you've done has taught you anything, it has taught you what? Um, I think self-introspection. I think I think I think all the writing, even the fictional writing, is about examining your heart and your emotion and your soul and trying to learn and grow. That's what I've learned. You're speaking my language, my friend. <laughs> Dave, congratulations. Uh, I hope you're proud. Thank you so much. I'm very proud. And it was really nice talking to you about it. Learning, learning. I agree with David. Learning, it's a good thing. It's what I try to do. I want to discover. I want to learn everything I write. Yes, every single thing. I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you, my friend. And I want to tell, I want to thank all of you out there listening to this. I hope you're enjoying it. Keep learning and uh, go keep finding things you love and keep doing it. Keep doing what you love. Can't go wrong. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.